you are watching the mighty be in sports and as we come on air andy and myself are just discussing that that, that right now it's all good news fa fa fastest growing channel in the asian pacific ring mm -hmm. uh live on twitter uh, podcast available for the first time later today and consistently going forward from this point. I think we should think about moving it into the realms of virtual reality as well. I think you're probably right. And by the time you watch the repeat of this programme, Qatar will have won the Asian Cup. <laughs> Come on, yes. boys. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. <laughs> right, on our show this week, um, we're speaking to Linda Hellerland. This is a Be In Sports exclusive. Uh, she's the Norwegian politician, Andy, mm -hmm. looking to become the next president of WADA. Yeah. Really looking forward to talking to her. her. Her mission in life, she says, is, quotes, to clean up sport. I wish her all the best. Me too. It's a big job. It's a huge job. Big job. Uh, also, Maurizio Sarri, we just started discussing this last week. Uh, his team subsequently reacted to, to his words last week by going, of course, to the Carabao Cup final. Then came Bournemouth. And an awful night. Mm. Uh, we will discuss further with John Cross later in the programme. Uh, so does it matter, not winning a trophy? Yes. These days, yes. isn't top four more important? Maurizio Pochettino thinks it is. Uh, we'll talk with Clive Allen, the former Tottenham and England centre-forward, about uh, Pochettino's view on success. Mm. What is success? And this is really sad. Notts County, founder member of the Football League. <laughs> on the cusp of leaving the Football League. This the first table, Andy, in 88-89, as you can see, of the f teams that formed the original Football League. Look at County in there. I know. Now look at Notts County. I know. The bottom of League Two. No good. And eight points adrift, even of safety yeah, at this point. Uh, times were better at Meadow Lane, where you, of course, pulled on the jersey. For I did. It was on loan there. Five times. 97-98, yeah. Paul Hughes, the author of that book, was... Um, Paul Smith, sorry, uh, celebrating with Big Sam, who was the manager in yeah, those he days. Was. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now it's all fallen apart. It, it really is desperately sad, but we'll it find is. out more about what's happening at Notts County later as well. In the meantime, this is what we did the last time we were with you. Pochettino saying, no, again, hold off. The Premier League is not ready for VAR. On we go. Next guest then, John Cross, Chief Football Writer of the Daily Mirror. We talk about all the time about do great players make good managers. But I think the biggest thing when, when we look back will be the examination of, of Thierry Henry's man management. I do think it will come down to the fact of whether Thierry Henry can really deal with criticism, deal with players and, and really come back as a manager. I wish someone inspiring us because that means we'd have a training ground. But what they will be and their fans will be uh, treated to is warm hospitality. What's your middle name? James. Jimmy Keys there. <laughs> I've seen the rise of the club and I don't believe that the rise is finished yet. When I said forever, I, I, I didn't mean forever. I just meant for a while. We're talking sports science with um, Warren Gregson. The intensity of the game is higher than it's ever been. Football's like any business, you know, it's been innovated by technology. Technology will throw up lots of data, but it's how you take that data and inform the coaching process. Essentially, football's about cycles. It's game recovery, game recovery, game recovery. Former Chelsea manager, Ruud Hullett, twice World Footballer of the Year. When he bought Jorginho, why did he buy, need to buy him when he had uh, come to... I understand what you try to say, but that's a risk, because on the moment that things will go wrong, then they will point their fingers at the coach. The most important thing in any team is that all the secrets, all the things that happen, 
stays in the locker room. See you when the Champions League restarts. See you in a few weeks. Rude Hullet. Just a couple of things to follow up on there. I know it's more complicated than I'm about to make it. Yes. But if you've got the best player in the world in the position that he used to play in, mm-hmm. playing out of position, mm-hmm. aren't you asking for trouble? What about if you, going forward, return him to a position that he's best in and then work from there? And you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, you're, you're, only, you're only in trouble if you're talking about Kante and Jorginho. <coughs> you're Jorginho, only tr- sorry, one goal, a penalty, mm-hmm. on the opening day of the yeah, season. How many assists this year? None. None? None. <coughs> you're only in trouble when now's happening. By that, I mean some of the results they've had. That's when, first, what, what did they go, 18 games unbeaten? Something like that, beginning of the season? Chelsea fans are thinking, we love this Sarri ball, we love Jorginho, we love Sarri everything. Ball. We no love everything. There's no such thing. No we love everything sense. about it. So, it's his decision as coach to set up the team the way he wants. It's his decision to say, Jorginho's my most important player, so he's there. And Kante, I want him in the team, but he's going to have to change a little bit. Right? That's fine. If it works. And for 18 games or so, it worked. They were good. They weren't brilliant. They were good. The problems will be, are deeper than that as far as I'm, I'm concerned. But if you were asking me or probably 19, the other 19 Premier League managers, very few, if any, would tell you if they had Kante in their side, they wouldn't have him playing where he played at Chelsea with Mourinho. Everybody. And Leicester. Under well, Conte initially. Conte. So they would have him in that position and then build people around him. But he wants Jorginho to play in that area. So I think the problems are deeper than that. We don't have enough time to go into them. But it's not just Jorginho. We will discuss further with John Cross shortly. But uh, before we... Um, yeah, there we are. I mean, yeah. Jan Franco looks absolutely baffled by it. <laughs> uh, but just following up on last week, Wimbledon won. Fantastic cup win mm-hmm. for them. John Coleman and Accrington... Uh, they were not best pleased with... Well, he wasn't. John Moss later apologised. Um, but there was some terrific cup football, Andy. Yeah, there was. And, and going forward, we shall obviously return to that subject. Anyway, Jan um, and Sari under pressure. And, and behind the scenes, you say it goes deeper than that. There's yeah. even more trouble because right now FIFA are examining the signing of 100 of Chelsea's foreign youth How can signings. you do that? Well... How can you do? How can you say this is the meat of, 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 of the uh, the problem? The governing bodies, obviously, it's flagged twenty five player cases at the beginning of last year. It thought warranted further scrutiny. Um, th- this this same kind of investigation led to both Real and Barcelona being banned for a transfer yeah. window. So it's a possible that's ban. The way that Chelsea are heading. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm this, not this surprised. The basic rule is that clubs cannot bring in players under eighteen from other countries unless their parents have emigrated for reasons not connected to football. The suggestion here being that Chelsea brought everybody when they well, signed a player. Well, if they sign a young player and it's not for football, what they would do is get the father, mother or both a job. Yeah. Used then to it's buy, not for football. Used, used to buy them a washing machine, didn't Yeah, they? or a house, when you were very good. <laughs> <laughs> this I am completely baffled by. Well, come on, you're a journalist. I Tell me know. why. I don't know. This is a flagship investigative programme in the UK that never never have their editorial decisions interfered with by outside forces. Here's an example. Before the 2018 vote for the World Cup. (laughs) At the time, then Mark Thompson in charge. They were under huge pressure, the BBC, to pull that programme. No. Well, something's going on, isn't it? Something's going on. Our old mate Barry Fry in trouble. Um, Football and gambling, I don't think, despite the uh, um, efforts of 
those that run the game to remove themselves from it, particularly when we're awash with... Yeah, well, unless he's accepted it, he's accepted it, so he's obviously done something wrong. And here's another one. This is a trend, and I I do think it is now a trend. That's a trend, trust me. um, Young young lads looking to try, and and women, dependent upon, of course, the football club that they're with. Um, Academy head at Watford suspended after further bullying claims. Now... Do you know what I don't Where's like the about line that? between motivation I, and bullying? I, I, do you know what I don't like about that word bullying? I don't know what it means. I don't. Is it, is it physical bullying? Is it verbal bullying? Largely verbal. Largely verbal. So, is it somebody criticising a player with a, with a raised voice, a young player? Probably. And the young player getting upset and going to tell his parent, her, his or her parents, and then the parents making a complaint against the coach. I think it's a. I'm not saying it should happen, right? But I'm also saying we these boys and girls who are turning into these coaches must have an awful time judging or having to judge on the spur of the moment when they're coaching in a session what's borderline I guarantee you it will not be long before the first case of senior dressing room bullying what in the first team dressing yes. room in the Premier League yes no yes no and HR Sorry, no. are involved I mean come on when did you last when you last were that positive about something you said if, if we start using video cameras <laughs> I'll quit be careful <laughs> I mean, uh, this also made me laugh and me this is weeks just not even weeks days after Liverpool suggested not the club but but suggestions were made that Manchester City left the grass long when they played there to affect their football <laughs> now that was the reaction I think of most of us yeah here we are the the, the, the game this week against Leicester they cleared the box at the end, they were going Cop to be end. attacking second Cop half. End. Cop end. And left the other end as it was. Well, they left the, whole, the rest of the whole pitch. Yeah, yeah. But they only cleared the area because they were going into it and they yeah. had the trouble in the first half. And it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, it was funny at first, but actually it was wrong. Of course it's wrong. Wrong. Of course it's wrong. Now, um, Mr Arnautovic, who's been causing all kinds of problems at West Ham, has decided that it wasn't him... It never is, is it? It was somebody else. And, and issued that statement, <laughs> announcing he'd be staying at West Ham. Hi, West Ham fans. Finally, you hear me talking. Me talking. I'm back. I'm happy to be back. Short on charm, but long on self-justification. <laughs> Brilliantly released this statement just a few minutes after the club crashed out of the FA Cup to lower league opposition. 22 minutes after they crashed out. So that tells you he was thinking of the club. That shows you he was right behind the boys. That shows you he was really upset about them getting knocked out of the cup. Well Neil, done, Marco. Neil Lennon will be with us shortly here at Being Sports, having left Hibernian this week. Um, another example? What we talked about, we talked about it in this show a couple of weeks ago, player power and how it's, it's affected managers and how they, unless you have them with you, unless you have your big players with you in a club, you haven't got a chance. VAR in the FA Cup, here's another one. This um, is a joke, Marco Silva was furious because... He didn't get a decision that he felt he should have had. Why? There was no VAR. Correct. Chris Hewton was furious because a decision went against him that he didn't think he should have had. <laughs> there was VAR. Now, Keith Hackett, former chairman of PGMOL, rightly, I think, making the point we have here, Andy, uh-huh. as long ago as 18 months or more when it was announced that some FA Cup games would have VAR, Joke. others wouldn't. How can you have a fair knockout competition when that's the case? Well, the answer is you can't. The FA, whoever made this ludicrous decision at the FA should be totally ashamed of themselves because it's totally unfair. And in both ways, I must either do one or do the other, but you cannot do both. It's unfair, 
Uh, the fans should not accept it. They should be up in arms about this for, va- for various reasons. But do one or do the other. You cannot enjoy both systems. One no VAR, one VAR, when you're in a knockout competition. Not a league we're talking about. We're talking about a knockout competition. The Everton are out of, that they wouldn't be out of, if VAR had been there. And vice versa, Brighton, had there been no VAR, would be the same. They might be through to the next round. Seconded. Um, this one I thought would irritate you. Just read that through. Okay, well, Mike Flanky, of course, not being allowed on the eh. He did my head in because his socks weren't ready. Yes. <laughs> he hadn't taped them up properly, so it took longer than he wanted. Taped them up properly. It's only your socks. Pull them up, get your tie ups on, and get out there. <laughs> You can imagine, can't you? We talked about this last week. Uh, you can imagine Mike Flynn. Come on. You, oh. you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hold on, boss. My socks aren't right. <laughs> uh, and congratulations to the president of Paris Saint-Germain, Nasser Al-Khalifi, set to join the UEFA Executive Committee as one of two club representatives. He's taking Ivan Gazidis' place. Yep. Well done, Nasser. Yep. Congratulations. And lastly, Andrew. Oh, fans of Liverpool, Leeds, Luton, Lincoln, and the Leighton Orient. <laughs> wow. Isn't that extraordinary? That is extraordinary. Wow. That's fantastic. Can't you imagine been, that's been ever out. previously. Why happened? didn't you take a week off like me? <laughs> As you well know, my friend. You're never, you sleep with both eyes open. Well, yeah, well yeah. certainly one, in case something passes me by. <laughs> All these games live on Be In Sports this weekend. Uh, Gilberto Silva, our guest, as he has been this past week. Um, predictions on Twitter, incidentally. Our thoughts, mine and Andy's, where there's a fascinating race going on for <laughs> King of the Predictions this year. Um, all those games, as I said, live. With Some us good in the games this North Africa and the Asian Pacific Ring. So when we come back, we will discuss further Maurizio Sarri. John Cross joins us, Chief Football Writer at the Daily Mirror. And more immediately than that, what about Pochettino? Winning a cup doesn't matter. Really? Uh, welcome back. Now, you've always said winning the first trophy yes. is the most important, as well as the hardest, uh-huh. but the most important. Yes. Pochettino, it would appear, is of a different view, Andy. He's, he's not that bothered, it seems. Uh, I, finishing in the top four, he says, these days, far more important. And winning trophies inflates egos. I don't agree. Because if Tottenham, see those three teams that are there with them? when they're at their best and they're, at bump, and they're doing it the right way and Tottenham want to be like that, you know what they do? They finish the top four and they win trophies. Mm. They don't just finish in the top four. To be a, a really top side, Richard, you have to do both. Uh, I don't agree with Poch that you, you sacrifice all cup success and you will get league success. No. And at Everton, we won the FA Cup first. That was a catalyst. I'm 100% convinced. It was a catalyst for us going on and winning the league the following season. Absolutely. Who better to talk to about this than Clive Allen, uh, still record goal scorer in 86-7, I think 49 goals that yeah. year, former England centre-forward. Yep. His dad, Les, won the title with Tottenham back in 1961. Um, by the way, Clive, looks like, like Andy, you've lost a few pounds. Well done. <laughs> it's the worry. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's the worry, Clive. <laughs> It's the hard work walking in the snow here in London at the moment. <laughs> Clive, we've just been debating Pochettino and your Tottenham Spurs. 
I mean, I tend to think if Spurs are going to be a great side, they have to do both. They have to finish top four, but also win trophies. Is that fair enough? Absolutely, Andy. I, I totally agree with you. I think that winning that first trophy is so difficult to do, and Tottenham haven't done that for some 10 years now. So it's very, very important that they get silverware in the cabinet. It just gives you that impetus and the belief that you win. And, and that's something that um, this group of players need to achieve. I think they're talented, but they haven't fulfilled their potential yet. Clive, th th that's the professional's view. What do Tottenham fans want? Are they happier now they're a consistent top four finisher in front of Arsenal? Or do they really want silverware? I think they want to win a cup. They want to win a trophy. They, 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 it's, it, comes, it comes with the territory of playing at Spurs and it's been too long without silverware. So the expectation is always going to be there for, for any players playing for the football club that you, you need to be certainly very competitive in the Premier League now, which they are. I think the, the progress they've made has been excellent. But the, uh, the next stage is to win a trophy and, and, be, and be consistently competitive in, in, in all competitions. I don't want to put manager against players here, Clive, but I wonder, is, is, have you any feeling about what the players themselves think? Are the players desperate to win something, to start off maybe a successful run? Are they like their manager? Has he turned them like him, that they're happy with the top four? Andy, I always think that that, that could be the fear, that um, they're listening to the manager and it's almost, well, that's OK that we, we haven't won anything. We've gone close again. We've had a good run. We've been in semi-finals recently. We've been we've been in a final not too long ago, but but we haven't won. Um, it's almost that it, it could be acceptable for that. That is, that's not acceptable. And I think that the the one disappointing comment from Pochettino this week was that it wasn't about cups and it was about qualifying for the Champions League regularly. Um, yes, that has to happen. That has to happen for the financial implications of the club and top four has to be the priority. But you cannot sit there as Tottenham manager and not say you're going to win every game because that, that's, what, that's what's expected of, of Tottenham Hotspur footballers. Well, can I put the counter-argument, Clive, and, and, and defend Pochettino here? Arsene Wenger won the FA Cup in three of his last four seasons but finished outside of the top four in, I think, two of them, certainly one. Does that make Pochettino right? Um, to, to a point, he's right, but he shouldn't be saying that... Um, they, they don't want to win. They, they, not they don't want to win the cup. That, that it's not their priority. They, their priority is to win every football match that they play, and every cup game has to be one in which Tottenham feel whoever they play against that they can win. So I just I just thought that the comment was was slightly negative and one and received in the wrong way as well. He, he's come out since and tried to explain that mm. maybe it was it was interpreted in the wrong way, but um, for me. Massive, massive victory it was on Wednesday night against Watford in the Premier League to, to almost consolidate their position mm -hmm. in the top Premier League. But they should still be in the FA Cup. They should have been Christmas weekend. I, I mean, going back to Richard's point about Arsenal, like, yeah, I get you that. But Arsenal weren't good enough to finish top four. That was the crux of the matter. But look at Wenger's previous, what, 15 years or whatever they were? Continually top yeah, four, delivered... continually winning cups and league titles. Well, doing it all. They delivered a trophy. In, you say they weren't good enough to finish top four. No. They delivered a trophy in three of those four yes. seasons. Yes. The FA Cup. Yes, but they, they weren't good enough to finish top four. What I'm saying is, that's a, Arsenal, Arsenal fans have nothing to shout about the top four. But at the end of that season, they've won an FA Cup. What Pochettino has to think, I don't know, Clive. Look who's, who's in the Carabao Cup final coming up this weekend. 
two of the top Messi's, six teams the, in the country. The, Come on, that's what, yeah. that's, what, that's what Spurs need to do, in my opinion. Mm. To elevate themselves from being Spursy, they've got to go out and actually win something while finishing top four. Mm. Last one, Carl. Yeah, Do you think he regretted saying what he did? Is that why he scuttled back a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, I think um, perhaps he, he, you know, again, um, foreign manager may be interpreted in the wrong way, but uh, I, I think he might just regret it. And the supporters, speaking to the supporters on Wednesday night at the Watford game, they were very, very disappointed that he said that. Because, again, in hindsight, you look at the draw now, you know, uh, Chelsea play Manchester United and all of a sudden yeah. there's, a, there's a clear yeah. and a big chance to be certainly go to the final of the FA Cup. Clive, we thank you for your time, my friend. Stay warm. Stay slim. Hey, stay slim. <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Thanks, Thanks Clive. Guy. Clive Allen, former Tottenham centre forward. He looks well. He does look he well, the boy. He looks terrific. Um, the story we did last week, Andy, and I, I said to you then, it, it, it'll be interesting whether, whether Chelsea's players react to Sarri's criticism and take themselves to a cup final almost on autopilot. Mm-hmm. But what then? Mm-hmm. Went to Bournemouth and got thumped 4-0. Yeah. And now Maurizio Sarri's saying, well, maybe it's me. Maybe yes. I can't motivate these boys. Here he is. In that moment, I wanted uh, to to talk with them uh, alone, without anybody. Because, uh, as I said before, uh, I needed uh, to understand. Because it's impossible to play uh, in, in a so different way the first half and the second half. I cannot understand uh, why. Well, I don't know exactly. Uh, I want to try again uh, tomorrow because uh, we need to solve this problem. Oh, maybe, maybe it's my fault. Maybe that I am not able to motivate them. But uh, is uh, if a team is uh, really very strong, uh, is able to win uh, uh, also without the coach. In this moment, I feel myself frustrated. No under pressure. Uh, I am frustrated because. uh, uh, I I don't see uh, I didn't see in the match the the, the signal of uh, our uh, of my work and so I was uh, I am frustrated. I'm amazed. I, I, if I'm in Chelsea's dressing room listening to that this week, that's hardly inspiring me. John Cross, chief oh. football writer of the Daily Mirror, joins us. John, how long's he got? <laughs> oh come on! How long's he got? <laughs> I've got to say, guys, it does feel like that. That's the point, isn't it? And because we know of Chelsea's history um, and the way that there's sort of kind of the revolving door practice when it comes to hiring and firing managers, I'm afraid to say it does feel like that. Listen, I think it's important to remember that basically they've reached a cup final. So they overcame, you know, their hated rivals, Tottenham. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that doesn't know the London football dynamic, that was a big win, big, big win. But the fans are not happy that, you know, they're they're not, that they turned on Sari, you know, from the the stands the other night, shouting that you don't know what you're doing. But before that, even before that, during the Arsenal game, I'm given to believe in the concourses, they were they, they were inviting 
sorry ball to go forth and multiply while, <laughs> while getting thrashed by Arsenal there. Because I tell you what, I think the players feel this a bit as well. Because the other thing to come out of this dressing down, which, which I was told about yesterday, in sort of in, in the shakedown of the of the dressing down and sort of in the dressing room after in the wake of that Bournemouth game, when when uh, sorry kicked his coaches out of the room and basically said, right, come on, let's ha- let's have it op- in the open here. What's wrong? Basically, is it me? Is it is it our approach? You know what? 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 Don't you like? Why are you ignoring me? And I think the the accusation back from the players was, listen, we've got no plan B. If Sari Ball doesn't work, and if, if you know if Jorginho's passing and is you know Kante not working in the midfield doesn't work, where's the plan B? And I do think that that is a big part of it, not just from the players but also the fans. They're thinking, well. You know, if the beautiful game doesn't work in terms of passing, moving, possession, football, then then they're not allowed to do anything else. John, don't and you I, think, I think this that, is a... that's where Sari Ball falls down? So, John, I was just going. Don't you think this is a dangerous group of players from previous <laughs> managers to actually fall out with and to get them not on your side this early? And it's not just dangerous; it's toxic. <laughs> it's it's that they are a group of players. Let's be honest here. Really, they've done for previous managers. Mm. Yes. It's not just results, but it's the players have turned on and off like a tap. They have gone from being champions one season to mid-table the next. Their their points tally has, has varied so much from season to season. That is players, the same group of players switching on and off. We talk about kind of, you know, Conte working miracles, miracles to win the title the following season. They weren't quite having him, so they switched off. Same for Mourinho. In the, in the, you know, in the past, yeah. it's been Vias Boas. Yeah. And I think that, yes, this same group of players wasn't around maybe for Vias Boas. But the, the hierarchy still allowed mm. that dressing room rule to, to kind of run the club and run the management. And I think that the, the club has to show a strong stance somewhere along the line, stick with a manager, put their faith in him and say to the players, no, play power's not working this time. John, I, I started a little flippantly, but to, to, to return to it more seriously, Di Matteo had gone in the November, uh, Scolari, I think, in the February, Villas-Boas, you mentioned, I think, maybe got until March. Is there a, mm-hmm. is, is there a real danger that Sarri might get the sack? Well, I don't like, Keezy, the way that he's sort of suddenly saying, I might not be up to the job. Oh, because if you are as a manager and saying, I can't motivate the players, that's what you're saying. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, that will not go down well. Well, I know it's not going down well. And I do also think that there are concerns about not getting the best out of players. Can You've taken Kante, the best anchor man, holding midfielder in the Premier League for the last three seasons, in Europe, arguably, and, and basically turned him into a fairly average number eight. That, that's what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just think, you know, he's put his faith in Jorginho and, and this, the most amazing stat in the Premier League this season is that Jorginho scored on the opening day, hasn't scored since and has yet to provide a single assist Correct. this season. Astonishing. Now, that, that type of play, it, you know, that Sari is, is producing is not working. However, I think where always Chelsea, you know, have a barometer of, of where, what is acceptable is while they're in touch with the top four, then they stick with the manager. When that becomes impossible, 
then they think about the manager. And basically, I think that will remain the case this season. But I do think reaching the cup final also buys him time. They lose that horribly. They're out of, you know, they fall behind in the race for the top four. Then then, then they panic. After this weekend, everybody's forgotten about the Carabao Cup final. Come on. Hold on. Let me think. Let me see. It's his first season. Let's just put it into perspective. It's his first season. He's taken over a giant of a football club that demands him to be successful. He's taken him to the cup final, as John says. They're in the cup. The, was, the only cup that's Boris's available now. Season. It was well, Scolari's first on, season. Hold on. And the, he's taken him to top four. The only time they've not been in the top four is this week when they dropped out in goal difference. But they're still in the frame for the top four. Surely if you're the Chelsea fans, John, and, and the hierarchy had been told, OK, by the end of January, we'll be top four and we'll be in the Carabao Cup final. Surely they would have said, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, 100%, Andy. Absolutely 100%. And I, I, I think sometimes you need to keep these things in perspective. I think that... I think there's a bit... <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, it is Chelsea. And Andy, into that backdrop is quite interesting, right? Because, basically, you've got ongoing at the moment a FIFA investigation. Yeah, yes. Uh, which, which is being talked about and I've referred to today. But, you know... If basically they are found guilty, and we're absolutely for balance, we're saying Chelsea are absolutely contesting this and you know pleading their innocence. But if it comes down to it, then there would be you know potentially a transfer back, mm. basically, and that could mean then that Chelsea miss a couple of windows, and yeah. that's why I find this window surprising in that basically they haven't been more active. Good point. Abramovich hasn't been present at so many games as he was in the past. I think Eden Hazard will be off in the summer. Mm -hmm. This is a big season for Chelsea. And they need a manager who can take up a very difficult, challenging set of circumstances and basically try and keep the club in a progressive fashion. Frank Lampard. There you go, Frank. Well, (laughs) I love Frank. I think he's great and I think he's energetic. And I think he's he's got such a brilliant outlook on the game. But, you know, it's still early for him. Uh, the fans would love it, of course they would, but it's just, you, you know, that's, that is the backdrop and the challenges that Chelsea are judging this manager against. Now, and I think that they, they will need not, not, not just Maurizio Sarri, but something of a miracle worker yeah. if, if all things go against them. I don't need to tell you, John, to be careful at this point because we do want to spend time with you next week yes um and and maybe you know nothing at all about this next story i'm about to run past you but i was interested this week to see panorama drop an investigative 30-minute documentary on roman abramovich do you have any detail as to why a program that prides itself on its editorial independence may have taken that decision no, I don't. I did. I did see that. I did see that story. And yes, I do want to be on next week. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, you know, obviously, we know that that basically Chelsea and and, and Abramovich can be very litigious and and sort of have, have been in the past. And and I also. Th- I hope that's got nothing to do with the last question I asked. No, I see you. Shouldn't have mentioned that. Shouldn't have mentioned that. Goodness. Somebody, somewhere. I thought that was quick. <laughs> somebody, somewhere. That was quick. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Right, well, we'll come back to John in just a moment. But what was interesting is what he's saying about Sari, isn't it? Really interesting. Mm-hmm. That, that I, I mean, I know your view that, that maybe they should stay with it. I, I, I just sense... 
Yeah, the word well, toxic he used. Was he, John used toxic. I thought it was unhealthy. He used toxic, which was a, it's a pretty strong description mm. of, of the dressing room that exists at Chelsea at the moment. Mm. Um, uh, listen, I don't know. You, you don't know. Chelsea, are, Chelsea seem to um, organise themselves and run the club in their own inimitable style. Mm. Mm. And it, it bears little resemblance to anyone else's. He's back. It's like, oh, thank goodness, goodness me. Oh, John, thank goodness you're back. It's not funny. No. Not funny. No. Do you want to try again, John? <laughs> we, were saying, no, we were talking about Tottenham, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's see if that happens again. Um, but no, what I was trying to say was that basically, Chelsea, you know, Chelsea have been anxious to deny any stories that are, you know suggestion that, that, that Abramovich has been looking to sell. And you, you know, they're they're saying that basically Abramovich is is as enthusiastic as ever. I just feel that in the past, in previous transfer windows, Abramovich, you know, basically backs the manager and dips into the transfer market. Um, you know, very, very proactively tries to take the club forward, you know, was very visible at home games. And, and, you know, you have seen a change in attitude. You've seen a change in attitude from the British government as well. And so, you know, Bramovich isn't in the country so much. Right, last one, and then we must leave it this week. Are Arsenal fans convinced that spending £20 to end the Wenger era has been good value for money? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I do think, I do think, um, Richard, that, that basically, you know, it was an expense. I was surprised that, that basically it was portrayed in such a negative way because, you know, if you hire a, hire a manager for a contract, you've still got to pay that contract, mm. I'm afraid to say. Mm. So I do, I do think that basically Arsenal took a bold decision. Um, they obviously had to pay off Wenger and they obviously had to pay off his staff. So... I, I just felt that, that, that this this window has been particularly challenging because the, the money just hasn't been there. I think it will be. There will be more money in the summer, but in, in this window, it, it, the, the money just hasn't been there. And I think Arsenal have had to be creative. But I know that obviously fans can see it and say that the squad needs strengthening, particularly in defence. Modern day graphic, old fashioned information. That's how the first ever football league table finished. By the way, five of those clubs you played for. Well, listen, you know me, I'm a traditionalist. When I was setting out my football career, I said, I want to play for some established teams. The other seven I didn't want to play for. If, if, if you know who they are, tweet me and let me know. <laughs> yeah. But that's extraordinary. Look, here, the oldest football club in Britain, Notts County. Proud members of the original football league. They were lucky that year, though, weren't they? Because there's no relegation then. Well, of course, yeah. there was nowhere to go and play <laughs> no. beyond that. But there is now. Uh, this is terrible. why they're not lucky. This is League Two right now. Notts County, six points clear of Macclesfield, where actually Sol's done well. Sol has done well. Sol's closed the gap Sol on, Campbell, on, on, yeah. on Morecambe here. Yeah. But they're eight points clear of safety. Um, this is in happier times. Uh, the current owner, uh, Alan Hardy, who... Um, who embarrassed himself this week, not putting the club up for sale, but uh, printing a picture of little Alan Andy on Twitter, yeah. which didn't go down not well good. with the supporters. Here, a mate of ours, of course, Big Sam. With his moustache. 97-98, uh, yeah. when Notts County ripped through uh, League 2. So three. League 3. 3. Yeah. Record yeah. breakers they were then. 
Uh, they're likely to be record breakers for all sorts of the wrong reasons now. Yeah. Uh, Paul Smith, the author, it's a really good read. Sam enjoyed it. Sam's foreword. Yeah, Sam actually rang Paul sometime later having read it and said, listen, brilliant, well loved it. But uh, things are not the same at Notts County now. Here is the author. Paul Smith joins us. Hi, Paul. How Hi, are Paul. you? Hi there, how are you doing chaps, you right? We're good, thanks. Thanks Gr for joining us. Great read, Paul. Thoroughly enjoyed that. But, that was then. Right now, your team are bottom of the Football League. What's happened? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very difficult question, Richard. Um, I think it's so unexpected as well. Um, if you look at the start of the season, and actually when I did the book launch of the day of the first game of the season, all of the talk around the club was, you know, we're going to get promoted this year. It's going to be another, probably not as good as the record-breakers season because that was exceptional, but another really good season. But it's just gone wrong, I think, from the summer transfer activity. Um, we, as it turned out, signed a, a lot of individuals rather than a team. Um, I think behind the scenes, they had to try and change uh, the way we played, maybe, because Kevin Nolan got a little bit of stick uh, for uh, direct football, a direct approach, which didn't go down so well. Uh, and I think from uh, the summer, they, they bought a load of individuals, didn't get a system in this bid to change and, and have this different type of football. Uh, and it just hasn't worked out. And it's just gone from bad to worse. The signings have been poor. Uh, changing manager left, right and centre again. A lot of uncertainty. Um, and then it's just come to this where we're, we're rock bottom of the Football League and, and very much in danger of losing our title as the world's oldest Football League club. Are you resigned, Paul, to going out the league? Do you still think there's a chance... Um, I think if you'd have asked me this time last week, I'd have said definitely. I'm definitely resigned to it. And I still think it's probably likely. But we've had a good last few days of the transfer window. Um, and it was very much needed. The squad that we had was, was taking us down. No doubt about that. Um, but we've managed to get in a few really experienced signings in the last couple of days. There's surprising ones as well. The likes of Michael Doyle, who Richard would obviously know, the, the Coventry midfielder. Yes. That was exactly the type of player that we need who's just going to come in sort out the midfield, you know, rattle a three cages potentially. Um, and Craig McHale-Smith, the striker from Wickham. So it's a little bit of hope, but, you know, we're so far adrift. Yeah. We're going to need to win probably 60% um, of, of the games remaining when we've only won four all season. It's a tough, tough ask. Paul, what, what, what actually would it mean in the city of Nottingham and, and to you guys that, that have grown up watching that team play, to lose your place in the Football League and, as you said, that title, the oldest Football League club in the world. Yeah, I mean, that title is everything to Notts County fans. Um, I think with Nottingham Forest just over the, over the river there, you know, and, and the fantastic history that they've got, the one thing that we can always say is that we were here first, you know. We yeah. are the world's oldest yeah. Football League club. So it does mean a hell of a lot. And, and obviously the repercussions financially and, and for the community spirit around the club, which is so important at a club like Knox County, to, to go into the National League. Um, the repercussions are, are, you know, it's difficult to comprehend, really. And just from, you know, a, a supporter's point of view, you know, I've been going down there for 25 years with family. Um, and, you know, we're very, very proud of being in the Football League and, and to lose that, we, you just lose a hell of a lot from that football club and it was very, very disappointing, depressing um, and just not what anybody wants. At worst, I would think that Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane have turned up literally across, across the river the now. Can I ask a question about yeah. the book? Have got yes, of course. Paul, uh, you know, I was fascinated when people who write these kind of books and research them, was it, and I always say that, was there anything that you found out that you didn't know or surprised you? Or that sort of, you went, wow, I, I didn't realise that was this club. Yeah, I think there, there was a lot of that, to be honest, Andy. And, and, and you'll remember this well from, from your time playing. It was, a, it was very much a bygone era. Um, and I think, you know, watching the modern football and, 
and the interviews that take place. You yeah. know, it's you know that, that not a lot goes on off the pitch, if you know what I mean, in terms of camaraderie and, and team nights out. And this squad of players was built on their their nights out. They all openly admitted that. <laughs> it was, you know, and, and Sam was a bit of a ringleader. He'd say, you know, if if we're going out, we're all out, and that's that. And and it was a case of you know party hard as much as play hard. But it worked because it it bonded them together. Um, and and you know they're all there for each other. And you know Sam admits himself in an interview in the book that, that that's lost in the modern game. He can't do that with his players anymore. Um, and I think that was one of the, the, the most surprising things. All of them to a man said it was all about the nights out and, and coming together. By, by the way, don't worry about that, Paul. It worked for Everton in 85 as well. We were quite good at that. <laughs> <laughs> and top marks for remembering that indeed Andy did pull on that black and white jersey. I did. Only five times. I know. I was on loan. Playing. It's a glory. I played at centre-back, Paul, would you believe? I played centre-back. Yes. Yeah. My dad told me, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Paul, well, Paul. Paul, Paul, you've just made my day. No. That's wonderful. No, no, it's made my day, Paul, because it's usually my granddad told me. <laughs> Paul, Paul, by the way, last question. How's the sleep pattern? You've got a new arrival in the house, I understand. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, we have. Yeah, um, he only gets up once in the night at the minute. And um, yeah, the, the wife is, is very good at doing that. So I'm happy. Good man. Paul, I hope, I hope for better things going yes. forward for your team. If anyone can change it, Michael Doyle can change yeah, it. Yeah, he'll do it. Yeah, believe me. Perfect. Paul, great to talk. Thank Thanks, you. Paul. Thanks for your time. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. OK. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm delighted. I thought he was going to say my granddad, but he said his dad. <laughs> result. It's a result. <laughs> I'm getting home happy after this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's Linda Hellerland, Norwegian politician, who's running to be president of WADA. We will speak with her next. It's a Be In Sports exclusive. Our next guest is a lady called Linda Hellerland, Norwegian politician who wants to be president of WADA. We are, um, we are delighted to be in her company and uh, flattered that she's chosen to talk to us as well. Uh, Linda, uh, good afternoon to you from our part of the world. Where are you, Linda? I am in uh, Norway, in uh, Trondheim, in the middle of uh, Norway, and uh, we have uh, this uh, Norwegian uh, National Cup in uh, cross-country skiing this weekend. And what is the temperature with you, Linda? It's about uh, 12 below zero, <laughs> so it's quite cold. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an excellent uh, atmosphere here. We are uh, oh, eating and beautiful. having fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. You know, oh, we love snow and uh, cross-country skiing, so it's great to be here. No disrespect intended, Linda, but listen, if you can get out of the way, it's an even better view. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, why do you want to be president of WADA? Because I think it's uh, crucial for uh, sport all over the world that uh, now we increase our fight against uh, doping. Unfortunately, we have seen after uh, the Russian uh, scandal that athletes and sports fans all over the world have lost confidence in the anti-doping movement. And that's why I think we need a new and strong leadership. And, and we need to, to fight doping in a whole another way than we had done before. Which, which, I mean, Linda, we agree with. That, that's what we want. But are we ever really going to not, not simply fight, win in the fight? And is it not the case still that if you don't go looking too hard, you're not going to find the problems that might cause you a little angst? I think we never 
we, we cannot believe that uh, we can not fight uh, doping. We, we need to believe in a fair sport, and I think it's important not for, for you know, the, just the top uh, athletes, the professionals, but also for our children. Uh, they need to have role models that are clean. Mm. And we, as sports fans, we need to believe in uh, a doping-free sport and also for athletes, mm. for, you know, that are, uh, um, you know, working so hard for their uh, medals and to know that the cheaters are, uh, you know, getting uh, and, and winning in front of them and they, even they are working very hard. It's... Um, it's not very motivating. So uh, we need to uh, stand firm and believe that we can um, uh, we can fight well, doping. We, we, we all hope that that's the case, yes. Linda. We really do. But you, 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 need, you need help, too. What, what did they say to you at the White House recently when you visited? I'm so happy for the support from uh, important countries like the U.S., from Canada, from um, the West European countries and also from Oceania and all over the world that we need to stand together and we need uh, also sanctions against, uh, you know, Rusada when, uh, when they don't uh, want to listen to what Wada is saying because we wanted them to, to stand behind uh, and support, you know, uh, our demands and um, they uh, used um, a lot of uh, time and uh, yeah. they um, you know it, it's it, it, it's difficult and that's why we have to stand together uh, sports fans authorities anti-doping organization Good. and the athletes what do you say to it there's some people Linda who say it's lost its bite it's a bit toothless wider how, how quickly do you think you could give wider its bite back I think it's uh, crucial and very important uh, that we now are given an answer to the athletes and to sports supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, telling them that uh, we need some, some changes and we uh, have to stand up for our principles and that we fast will gonna get the anti-doping world back on track again. Because right. now there are so many people around the world uh, lacking uh, trust in the anti-doping community and we cannot just you know just live with that no you can't well Linda if we had a vote you would have ours thank you for joining us yes you us. would uh, <laughs> thank continue you. to enjoy what looks a beautiful afternoon yeah you have our jealousy that's what you do have to do Linda <laughs> <laughs> Linda thanks for talking thank to us thank you very much well stay in touch thank you Linda Hellerland whose campaign <laughs> to be president of WADA has started we wish her well too yeah.